Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. I'd like to invite you now to open your Bibles with me to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. And as you're turning in your copy of the scriptures, I just want to remind you that the prophecy of Haggai comes to us in the context of the people of God, the people of Israel being sent back from exile to Jerusalem with this exhortation, this commission, this work to do, rebuild the temple, build the temple. The people of God have a work to do. And as we saw a few months ago, a few weeks ago, back in Haggai chapter one, that the Lord confronted their slowness of heart to fulfill the work that God had given them to do. See, they were sent back in 538 B.C., and it took them to 520 B.C. to actually pick back up and do the work that the Lord had sent them to do. So for 18 years, the work had paused. But then the word of Haggai, the word of the Lord through the prophet Haggai, came to the people, came to Zerubbabel, came to Joshua, and their hearts were changed They obeyed the word of the Lord. It also says in Haggai chapter 1 that they feared the Lord with their whole heart. We come now to our text in Haggai chapter 2. And we have another prophecy from the same prophet given to them just a month later from that previous prophecy. And that's what we're going to hear what the Lord has to say to the people of God, but also to you, his people, as we hear his word read this evening. Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through 9. I want to remind you that this is God's holy, inspired, and errant word given to you, his people, to build you up in your faith and to conform you to the image of his son. So let's be attentive. Let us hear and be ready to obey. This is the word of the Lord. Haggai chapter 2. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, And to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to my covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, In a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. This is God's word. Let's give thanks to him for his word this evening. Again, Lord, we come on this Lord's Day evening, grateful that you've called us here by your word to gather before you as your people. 
to participate together in, your, in the worship of your great name, to exalt the name of Jesus, but also to have this great grace given to us that you, by your kindness and your steadfast love, would speak your word to us in such a way to rattle us awake to your glory, to change our hearts, to love you more, but also to ready our hands and feet to serve you with a whole heart. Lord, awaken us to the great promises that you make to your people, that we might cling to them, lay hold of them, and walk in them, we ask. And the one who has made all these promises to us, in his name we ask these things, in the name of Jesus, amen. I don't know when it happened, but it happened to me. I don't know when it happened to you, but everyone, it happens to everyone. And it's simply when you move from, I can't wait until, to a stage in life where you say, oh, I remember when. It really hit me just a few months ago when I took my two boys, Levi and Luke, on a road trip back to Kansas where I grew up. And I was passing by things, pointing out, oh, I remember when. I remember when. Oh, that, I was talking to my dad, and I was, remember when we did this? And the boys were just like, I can't wait until dinner. I can't wait to get back to our grandma's house so we can play in the yard. I can't wait till we go to Big Brutus. Oh, Big Brutus, that landmark of my childhood, one of the largest man-made steam shovels that dug all the pits that I grew up fishing in. Big Brutus, that beautiful orange landmark, right outside of Columbus, Kansas. It's magnificent. It's huge. It's big. It's wonderful. And you get to go and play on it, and it's, it's just a, such a great sight to go and visit. So we take them out to see Big Brutus. And that's where it happened for me, the big I remember when. They were like, I can't wait until, I can't wait until, I can't wait until. And then we come up, and they put a fence around Big Brutus. And a little gate that said, this is how much you have to pay to go play on Big Brutus. And I was like, are you kidding me? What happened here? They're having the I can't wait until, and I'm having the I remember when moment. And I start grumbling and complaining, and I notice that they have cameras so we can't jump the fence, because that's what I would have done in high school anyway. But there we were. The boys excited and me grumbling and complaining. When did it happen for you? Has it happened yet? Have you switched from the I can't wait until to the I remember when moment? Well, when the people of God were brought back from the land, into the land of Israel, back into Jerusalem, there's a mix. There are the people who are there. They've been brought out of exile. I can't wait to get back home. I can't wait to participate in the rebuilding of the temple. I can't wait to be back in my own land where my fathers lived before me. And then there's also the ones who had seen the previous temple, Solomon's temple. They had seen the glory of the gold in the temple place. They had seen the magnificence of the temple. And many of them, as we see in our passage, were having a, oh, I remember when moment in the midst of all the excitement. Actually, if you read in Ezra chapter 3, when the people initially came back, and they did come back with great zeal and with great fervor in 538, they laid the, they laid the foundations of the temple and built the altar. 
And on that day, they were offering sacrifices. And Ezra chapter 3, verse 12 says that there was great rejoicing for those who had, had come back and seen the temple foundations laid and the altar established. They were rejoicing with great joy and with great zeal, offering praise to God. But mingled within that were those who were grieving and crying because the new temple wasn't as glorious. The foundation wasn't as glorious as the previous temple. And what Ezra tells us is that the noise of the rejoicing and the noise of the grieving was so loud you couldn't distinguish between the two of them. And it seems that when Isaiah, when Haggai speaks here in chapter 2, on the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord comes again. And it's only been a month since they began the work of doing, of rebuilding the temple. It seems like there are those who are still grieving the former days. There are those who are still saying, oh, I remember when. If you kids could only see what I saw. If you would have been there, if you would have known, you would be grieving with us. And the Lord actually confronts these people who are discouraged. He actually confronts them by asking them diagnostic questions about their hearts in that present day when the Lord was doing a mighty work in their midst, rebuilding the temple. He confronts these discouraged people. The Lord often brings his word to his people to encourage them, to remind them, and to promise them that he will fulfill his word and he will show his glory to his people. So are you discouraged? Are you reminiscing about days gone by thinking that there's nothing great coming in the future? Well, God's word has something to say. He's actually going to ask us questions tonight. As we look again, the word of the Lord comes through the prophet Haggai again. In verse 2, it says, speak now to Zerubbabel. Remember, his name Zerubbabel means a shoot out of Babylon. His name is a reminder that God's not finished with these people. Zerubbabel, a shoot out of Babylon. This man taken out of Babylon, the man who should be king, the governor. His name reminds us that God is going to do a work through us and in us. Zerubbabel, a shoot out of Babylon. There's hope for us. Speak now to Zerubbabel. Speak to Joshua. Yahweh saves. Oh, that name. Yahweh saves. A constant reminder that God is at work in our midst. Whenever you hear the governor's name, whenever you hear the high priest's name, you should be thinking about how God is faithful. And so the Lord speaks to Zerubbabel. He speaks to Joshua. But notice he also includes again because God is so gracious. He includes the remnant of all the people. And what are they doing here again on this day? Why are they all at the temple again? They are celebrating. They're coming to the conclusion of the celebration of the Feast of Booths. Remember, the seventh month, the 21st day of the month, that's right smack dab in the middle of the Feast of Booths. On the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have this feast. They've all gathered together to celebrate this feast, to have these two Sabbaths where they acknowledge the Lord, but then celebrate with great festive celebration, with great feasting, bringing in the harvest, recognizing God's provision. It's on that day the high day of the Feast of Booths, that the word of the Lord comes to these people gathered in his midst. And what does he say to them? He says to all of them, verse three, 
Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? There surely were people there who had remembered the former house, the former glory. At this point in time, they would have been about 70 years old. I'm guessing that they've arrived at the I remember when stage. But he says, who among you remembers the house in its former glory? And many of the people have been like, oh, I remember. Oh, if these kids could have seen those days. We know, we know, we were there. And then the Lord asks the next question. How do you see it now? Look at it. What do you see when you look at the temple now? They see that there's something going on, but it's not as great as what, what it once was. The next question, is it not as nothing in your eyes? The Lord's really starting to dig down deep here. Is this as nothing to you? Remember where you were. You were in exile. You were living in a land cut off from the glory of the Lord, from his temple, from the place of worship. You were cut off from the land. But you've been brought back, and you have been given this work to do, and you're looking at it as if it's nothing. Whoa. Is it not as nothing in your eyes? These people were really discouraged. And you know what discouraged people do to people who are really excited and really encouraged? It's amazing how easy it is to discourage and how difficult it is to encourage. Discouraged people discourage people. I know, that's so deep. But they were. They were moping and saddened and grieving grieving by the former glory of the temple, that they couldn't see that God was in their midst doing a work. They would actually say, it says nothing to us. But the Lord has a word for discouraged people. The the Lord has a word that he speaks to you when you are being discouraged by others. The The Lord has a word to speak to us because he spoke it to his people To show them that, yes, he had done great things in the past, but he's here in their midst doing something now. So how should we respond to the word of the Lord? Well, we need to hear it first. It's verse 4. In the midst of all the discouragement, the Lord brings an encouraging word to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, and to all the people. And he repeats it three times. You be Strong. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Don't lose heart. Take heart. Remember the words of Jesus when he came to his disciples in the middle of the storm. He said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. The Lord is here. The Lord is present. Be strong. 
The word that Moses told the people of Israel before they came into the land, he told also to Joshua, the Lord speaks through his, through his servant Moses, be strong, be courageous, don't fear. The Lord reiterates to Joshua himself as they're getting ready to take the land, be strong, be courageous, do not fear. David, when he hands over the keys of the kingdom to, to his son Solomon, he tells him, be strong, be courageous. Obey the commandments of the Lord. Be strong, be strong, be strong, because there's plenty to discourage you. There's plenty that could be spoken to you to just make you lose heart. But God, he is in your midst, and he speaks his word to strengthen your heart, and his word to his people is, be strong. Brothers and sisters, We live in a time and place where it's really simple to be discouraged by looking around at the state of things in our midst. You just look at the nation. You look at our state. You look within our community. Yes, you look even into some of our homes and how easily we can become so discouraged. Remembering days that have gone by where, you know, remember chapter 1 where he speaks of famine and drought and inflation, right? We understand, but the Lord speaks to you. The Lord has a word for you. Be strong, don't lose heart. But what's that be strong grounded in? It's grounded in the fact that the Lord is in your midst. It's grounded in the fact that God has come near to you. It's grounded in the fact that the one who has made covenant promises to you will not break his promise to you. He will fulfill his word. So put your confidence in him and be strong. Strong for what? What reason should we be strong? Well, we need strength because we have a work to do. When the people of God saw the foundations of the new temple being laid, they might have thought, man, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Ezekiel was way off in his measurements. This is much smaller than what Ezekiel said when the temple was going to be restored, what it's going to look like. Let's, I mean, let's just stop. We can't even, we can't even compete with that, that vision. Maybe they were discouraged for that, over that reason. Or maybe it was because they do remember Solomon's temple. Well, we don't have the resources. We don't have, we don't have the time. We don't have the strength. Let's just stop. But the Lord says to them, no, be strong. Do the work that I've sent for you to do here work. Be strong and work. Fulfill the task that I've given to you, not in your own strength, not in your own power. Where will this power come from? Where does this strength come from? Well, we've already said that it does come from the Lord, the one who keeps covenant with his people. You see that in verse four and five. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you. There's that promise. God is with you. And he reiterates, declares the Lord of hosts, the almighty reigning king of heaven. And then he says, according to my covenant that I made with you, when you came out of Egypt, then they would be remembering that they're living in the tabernacles. They're living in booths. They're living in tents in this moment, celebrating the feast of booths. Recalling how God brought his people out and they journeying through the wilderness in booths. They're reenacting, reliving that moment. And yet God was faithful to them, even in those days. And God is saying, as I was faithful to them, I will be faithful to you. 
But where does this strength come from? It's not by might. It's not by power. Where does it come from? Well, Zechariah tells us, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord God. And the Lord shows us right there in verse, in verse 5. My spirit remains in your midst. My spirit is among you. My spirit is abiding with you. What you lack in strength, what you lack in power, what you need to fulfill the work that God had given them to do was dwelling in their midst, abiding among them, dwelling with them. How will we accomplish the work that we've been given to do? Brothers and sisters, the work does not get done and your know-how. The work does not get done and your strength or your ability to bootstrap better. Our ability to fulfill the work that God has given us to do, the work that he's commissioned us to do as his church, it will only be fulfilled by the same resources that God delivered here in this chapter. I am with you, and my spirit is in your midst. Oh, but what a better promise we have as the new covenant people of God. The Lord Jesus himself, the exalted king of heaven, who had conquered death, who reigns and is resurrected, who's exalted and seated at the right hand of God, he said, I am with you always. So let us do the work. I'm not only with you always, I will always be with you. And by the way, I'm going to give you my spirit, not just to dwell in your midst, to abide among you, but my spirit will come and live in you, making his abode, making his abiding place, your hearts. Brothers and sisters, are you discouraged? Are you tired? Are you worn out in any kind of way? when you consider the work we have to do as the people of God. Oh, take heart. The word of the Lord comes to us. Be strong. I am with you. I am the covenant-keeping God. My spirit is in your midst. Do not fear. Put your confidence in that. The Lord has said it. He has declared it. It is good as done. What a promise. What a promise. But maybe you're still thinking, but I remember when. It's good to remember what God has done in the past. But it's good to remember what God has done in the past to remind you of what he can do in the present. What he is doing in the present. Not to lose heart and be discouraged, but to be reminded that God has worked in the past. He's the covenant-keeping God. He will work in the present. He will do what he's promised to do among us. He sent us to this time and to this place in our generation to fulfill the work he's given us to do. Be encouraged. Don't lose heart. Do the work because the Lord is in your midst. The Lord gives not only a word of encouragement, but on the heels of this encouragement to his people and to this charge, he gives them something to look forward to. 
Look at verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. What a promise. Can you see it happening? The people who are like, oh, I remember when, hearing that word and going, oh, I can't wait until. Isn't that what the Lord's word always does? It gives us a new perspective, new lenses in which to view our current circumstances and our situation. Think about a time where you really saw the hand of God at work and, and in your midst, where the Lord was blessing the work of his church, the, when the Lord was blessing the work of your hands, when you were bearing witness and you were seeing people hear the word and respond and, and put their faith in Christ. Can you look back at a day where you saw that? I know this church has testimony after testimony after testimony where you saw the Lord work in your midst. And it's easy to look back and say, oh, I remember when. And that's when the Lord really did bless you. That's really when the Lord really did have his hand upon you. But brothers and sisters, here we are now. Gathered as his people now. In his presence now. And as if the, the ceiling was rolled back, we've been caught up into a greater glory. Into a greater Mount Zion. We've been brought to the place where God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has said, I'm not only making promises, I'm fulfilling them now in your midst. Here's what I want to show you. My greater glory. You've come to my son, who is the one who tabernacled with you. Who tabernacled among you, John 1 tells us. And he has revealed my glory, and you have seen it. Now go make it known. Go and tell the world what you've seen and what you've heard. Invite them to also come and see because the Lord has something for us in our present day. Yes, it's good to reminisce and to remember, but the Lord has something now for us. If we will remember that he has made promises and that promise is to do great and glorious things in our midst. And the Lord said yet once more, in a little while, he's saying, just hold on. I'm going to really show you something great very soon. And as the people were building the temple, it would have been easy for them to look around and say, what can come out of this? I mean, look what we have to work with. Look at the resources. Look at my neighbor. I mean, look at me. But God's saying, hold on, I'm going to show you something. Yet once again, I will shake the heavens. But not only the heavens. Look, he says, I will shake the heavens and the earth. But not only the earth. He says, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea. What more is there to shake? And I will shake the dry land. What the Lord is saying is, I'm going to move heaven and earth to show you my glory. I moved heaven and earth to bring you out of Egypt. I moved heaven and earth to bring you out of exile. 
Yet, once again, I'm going to shake the heavens. I'm going to move heaven and earth, all things to show you how great and glorious I am. But not only the heavens, not only the earth, not only the sea, not only the dry land. He's going to shake the nations, all the peoples of the earth. Not just the Persians. Not just the Egyptians. The Lord is going to shake all the nations. And what is the response of that going to be? So that their treasures read their delights. So that their treasures, the, thing that, the things that they love, the things that they work for, the things that they try to accumulate to make themselves great, so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. I'm going to shake the earth and shake the nations in such a way that they're going to come running, bringing everything that they love so dearly to me. He's going to shake the world in such a way that the silver that he already owns is going to fall back into his treasury. The gold that already belongs to him but just happens to be in the nation's hands, it's going to come back to him. And he declares it in verse 8. He's going to shake all things so that what is precious, the treasures, the delights of the nations are going to be brought back to the Lord. And it's interesting to think about in an image. All the nations gathering up all their treasures and just willingly submitting them. What is he going to show them to make them see that what they think is precious and worthy to be counted a treasure, their delights, what is more glorious than that that they would surrender and give to the Lord? But a worthy king. One whom they can lay down all their treasures and all their riches and all their wealth that they would surrender and submit the delights of their heart because they have found something greater than those things. And did the Lord not do it? Did the Lord not once again shake the nations when his son was raised up from the earth and cried out in a loud voice and gave up his spirit? And in the temple, that veil that kept all the nations out, remember that veil? It kept all the nations out. It was torn in two so that all the nations might come in. He shook the earth again and the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, making his great and glorious power known through the person and work of Jesus so that the nations would see his glory, recognize him and surrender and submit all that they hold precious and dear to him and bow the knee. Where have we come this evening? But to that place where the Lord brings the nations together. They lay down their warring spirits. They bring out all their treasures and they say, here we are. Well, the Lord says that place, it has a name. That place in Zion, Jerusalem, the city of peace, it will be called peace again but it's going to take a good and gracious and glorious king to bring that peace to be. And has the Lord not come to us, those who were once scattered among the nations, 
Has he not come to us and declared his peace to our hearts? Has he not come to us and declared to us that we can be reconciled to God? Do we not lay down all of our treasures? Do we not lay down all our delights? Do we not lay down all of our riches because he alone is worthy to receive it? Maybe we don't know where we're standing now because the word of God says that as the people of God, we've gathered here today at Mount Zion. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We stand, even now, Right now, in reality, we are in the heavenlies. In the city of peace, worshiping by one who has made precious promises. The Lord has rattled the earth in such a way that he's brought you near. So be encouraged. Be strengthened. Don't lose heart. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 says... Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. You have work to do. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame might not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. Doesn't discouragement and bitterness just go right hand in hand? Why? Verse 18. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says, verse 18. You, the people of God, you have come to what may be You have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice of whose words made the hearers beg that no further message would be spoken to them. For they cannot endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you, church, We who are gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. This is your reality. You have come together. You have come as the people of God to a temple filled with a greater glory. Right now, in this present moment, we are here as if that is is not enough, the Lord says, but in verse 26, he says, at that time, His voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, and listen very closely because you've heard this before, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship 
with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. Do you realize where we are right now? Did you walk in and, oh, I remember when. I remember when that seat was filled with this person. I remember when we heard that sermon preached that stirred my heart and my affections. I remember when we used to. I remember this. I remember this. Maybe you're a student here tonight and you came and I can't wait and tell. I can't wait and tell. Let's listen to those I can't wait and tells. Because God's made promises to us in the present. And maybe, just maybe, those I remember wins will stir our hearts and affections of remembering what God has done in the past to encourage us now to begin to see what he might do in the present and what he's promised to do in the coming days. Because there's a greater glory, a greater glory for us even now to be looking forward to because the Lord will shake the earth again and you've been brought to that kingdom that is unshakable. Brothers and sisters, this is where we stand. Be strong. He's in our midst. His spirit is with us. He is a covenant-keeping God who's promised to do something great in our day, in our generation, right now. Do we believe it? Maybe we should ask, do we want it? Because the Lord is gracious, and he will do it. He will do it. He has made those promises. He will deliver. So, may all of our I Remember wins only inspire us to say, I can't wait until, because the Lord will show his glory, a greater glory in days to come. Let's look together as we wait to see what he does in our midst, as we look to Jesus, our mediator. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you how you have come to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ, revealing to us your son, who revealed your glory to us and tabernacled among us, making known to us your heart and your, your will for us. Lord, we know that we have a work to do in our day, in our generation, and we pray that we would receive these words and we'd hear your promises and that we'd look forward to what you have promised to do even in the future, in future days to come. But Lord, we pray also that our hearts would be encouraged and strengthened to know that you have not given up on your people. You've not left us here to do this work on our own, but you've given us everything we need in Jesus and by your Holy Spirit who's dwelling in our midst even now. And as we stand and sing to the praise and glory of your name, may our worship be acceptable as we recognize where we are and as we look forward to what you're going to do. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen.